This show is part of the Head Stuff Podcast Network. Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale of Yon McCool, Coo Cullen, Deirdre of the Sorrows, Grow New Whale. From giants right down to fairies, about the trooping and solitary, and those who are sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside. Yeah. Fireside, the Puka Fireside, Merrow Fireside. Kings and queens fighting heroes, don't you run from the fun, there's no need to hide. Sit by the fireside. Mm. Fireside. Hello and welcome to Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. Each episode of Fireside, we take a story from folklore and mythology, retell it, have a chat about the tale itself and about the craft, culture and history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. Olihan. I'm your host and your Fireside bard. Welcome to episode 123 of Fireside, episode 123. Today on the Irish storytelling podcast, we're telling a story about a young woman and her encounter with one of the other folk, the one and only fairy shoemaker himself. It is a story of the leprechaun. This is the Field of Garters. But first, I want to give a very big welcome to any new and indeed any returning listeners. If you're a new listener and you enjoy this episode, why don't you head right back to the beginning to 122 episodes and over two and a half years ago to see what we've been building up to on the journey of Fireside thus far. And if you are a continued listener, as always, thank you so, so, so much for your continued support. Please do follow me over on Instagram at FiresideBard if you want to check in with me, check out some of my poetry. Uh, email me at thefiresidebard at gmail.com if you're not on social media. And if you want to support the podcast and gain access to bonus content and bonus episodes, please do join us over on Headstuff Plus at headstuffpodcast.com, where you can join the intimate community of the Fireside and gain access to bonus episode and, and material, not just for Fireside, but for all of the podcasts available on the Headstuff Podcast Network. I want to give a big thank you to the latest supporter for this week, which is Rebecca Garvey. Rebecca is joining Martina Rafferty, Matthew Hill, Elizabeth Frizz, Dara Courtney, Kevin Magner, and Shane Grogan as the most recent of the benefactors over on Headstuff Plus. Thank you so, so much to each and every one of you. There'll be a new bonus episode coming out very soon because it should be out by the time this episode comes out actually uh, because I want to give a thank you to anyone who tuned in to the Instagram live on myth in Irish poetry for our poetry day Ireland which will have been yesterday by the time this episode comes out I record these a week in advance so by next week by the time I'm recording next week I'll be able to I'll actually have done it myself and I'll be able to chat more about it but if anyone did enjoy it and listen to it I hope you enjoyed it. I'll be I'll be turning into a bonus episode for the listeners of Headstuff Plus. But if it goes down well, I hope to do more of them because it's been really fun preparing it and it's a side poetry is something that doing Fireside has really led me to in a in a very different way and in a very rewarding way. And it's really nice to be able to combine those words now because they did feed off each other so much. Because we didn't have we wouldn't have myth if it wasn't for these earliest of poets. So it feels nice to be feeding those off each other. But I'll talk more about that when I've actually done it. But the story for this week is 
again, an Irish fairy tale book uh, by Joseph Jacobs. And it's one I encountered before and liked, but thought, you know, it just, sometimes you read them and, and you find one that you like more and then you forget about the other one you liked. But when revisiting, I found this story again. And there was always something that didn't quite work in it. It was something in the title that never really made sense to me which I'll explain more a bit more after, but I, with some changing, I changed the title and changed some of the details. Gender-swapped the, the lead character, which actually wasn't just for an arbitrary reason in this case. It actually kind of evolved the story for more and it felt it clicked in. And now I, and now I think this part should always be gender-swapped, this story. But this will be my version of it. And we'll chat more about it anyway. This is The Field of Garters. On Fireside. The Field of Garters Once there was a farmer's daughter named Tess Fitzpatrick. The Feast of Imbolc had come, beginning the Celtic year, and it was soon the celebration known as Lady Day. Not to be confused with Galentines, Lady Day is a feast of the liturgical Christian calendar celebrated on the 25th of March every year. The feast celebrates the supposed Annunciation of the Virgin Mary, the day the angel Gabriel came and told her that whether she liked it or not, she would be impregnated by God and give birth to the Messiah. The feast's name is from the shortening of Our Lady's Day to just the short and unintentionally comic Lady Day. On this particular Lady Day, Tess Fitzpatrick was out for a walk when she began to hear the faint sound of clacking, the clacking sound of cobbling, of tinkering, a strange sound to hear on a feast day when all were expected to rest. So, the inquisitive Tess decided that she would find the source of this sound. She followed the hedges along until at last a gap appeared, and through the gap, under a tree, Tess saw a ceramic jug. The brown jug looked like it could hold at least a gallon of your ale of choice. It is a container that is now known as a growler. Beside the growler was a stool, a collection of cobbling accoutrements, and admittedly, most interestingly of all, a very small person. Cobbling away on the little stool beside a bottle the same size as him was a bearded little man, pipe in mouth with a look of skilled concentration. There could be no mistake. Tess Fitzpatrick had just seen her very first leprechaun. Seeing a leprechaun or a fairy of some description was something of a rite of passage that every young man and woman was prepared for in the form of fairy and folk tales. But it is one thing to know something in theory, and an entirely other to put theory into practice. Tess knew from the stories that leprechauns were not just shoemakers, but the custodians of a hoard of gold. She also knew that if she ever took her eyes off this fairy, she would never see him or his gold ever again. So Tess Fitzpatrick went right up to the leprechaun and said, "'Good morning.' "'Good morning to you, young lady,' said the leprechaun, as if it was as common for fairies and mortals to speak as you to me or me to you. "'What has you working on Lady Day?' 
asked Tess. Ah, yeah, that's the Catholics for you, said the fairy. What do you mean? You're all so ruled by your faith that even when you see a leprechaun, a creature your priests maintain aren't real and also are demons, and your first question to said demon is why is he working on a Christian day celebrating the Annunciation of the Virgin Mary? Tess thought the leprechaun actually had a good point, but she did not want to further anger him. Fair enough. What are you drinking? The fairy felt he had won that round and was more than happy to talk about drinking and not religion. They do say that the three things that should never be spoken of on the beer are politics, money, and religion. That's a much better question, said the little man. I'm drinking the finest and, more importantly, strongest beer in Ireland. And here's a question for you. What would you say I made it from? Well, surely malt, said Tess, thinking it a stupid question. The leprechaun laughed. Ha ha, that's why you're wrong. I made this beer out of heath. Heath was made up of heather, gorse, and coarse grass. Not particularly appetizing ingredients for hooch. Tess frowned. Heath? Surely you don't expect me to believe that. Well, have you ever heard of the Danes? Of course. Well, among other things, the Danes taught the Irish how to make beer from heath. A secret that has been in my family ever since. Tess was intrigued. She was never allowed to try beer at home. She was old enough, but beer was deemed a boy's drink by her father, and so only given to the sons. May I please try some of your heath beer? Here, the nastiness of the leprechaun came into focus. It's not for my beer that you should be worrying. You should be worrying about your father's cows who have escaped and chewed their way through all your family's corn. A look of horror came across Tess Fitzpatrick's face. She didn't know if the leprechaun could tell the future, or in this case the present, or if he was just goading her. She could not remember such a case in the stories. In her panic, Tess accidentally kicked over the growler full of beer and watched her hopes of tasting its heathy goodness wash away into the muck. Tess let her anger get the better of her. She grabbed the leprechaun and screamed, Show me where the gold is, now! The leprechaun had not expected this fury from such a young woman. He was suddenly the one terrified. Ah, all right, all right, follow me. Tess Fitzpatrick held tight to the hand of the leprechaun as he led her to the gold. She would not let him out of sight or out of touch. Eventually, the fairy led them to a field of bullions. Bullions is an Irish term for ragweed or ragwort. Basically, it was a large, wild and empty field of yellow weeds and coarse grass. The leprechaun pointed to a particular piece of ragweed. There. If you dig there, you'll find my gold. Suddenly, Tess realized that in her haste to find the gold, she had forgotten to bring a spade to dig with. She knew she couldn't hold the leprechaun any longer, so Tess removed a red garter she had tied around her leg and tied the garter to the piece of ragweed. Before she left, 
the leprechaun said. I suppose you'll have no further need of me then. No, but I want you to swear you won't remove my garter from that weed. Upon my life and the life of all my heath-beer-making kin, I swear it. Having sworn, the leprechaun disappeared. Fast as she could, Tess Fitzpatrick ran to and from her home. She did not stop to tell her family or even to check if the fairy had been right about the cows escaping the field. Tess grabbed the spade and made her way to the field of bullions. She was totally out of breath from the effort, but was still prepared to dig hard and deep. And then she saw. The leprechaun had kept his word. He had not removed the garter from the spot. Instead, Tess looked out at an entire field of garters each one identical to the one she owned, each tied to each individual piece of ragweed in a field that spanned forty acres. It was an immediately futile task. Tess had lost. The leprechaun had won. Tess Fitzpatrick removed one garter from the ragweed and kept it for the rest of her life as a reminder of the time she had almost outsmart the leprechaun and won the gold. She had fought the fairy, and as usual, the fairy had won. The End Folks, as you all know, Fireside is a proud son of the Headstuff Podcast Network, which is Ireland's largest network of independent podcasts and a loving home for the creative and indeed the curious. There are so many other podcasts I could recommend to you on the network, some of which inspired me to approach Headstuff myself. Here's a taste of one you might enjoy. This is how it's always been. Double Love is a podcast in which we explore the strange and terrifying world of Sweet Valley High, book by book. Join me, Anna Carey. And me, Karen Moynihan. As we revisit one of the maddest series of books ever written or ghostwritten. If you ever read about the perfect blonde Wakefield twins, Elizabeth and Jessica, with their eyes the colour of the Pacific Ocean, then you might enjoy listening to us absolutely tearing them to shreds. Affectionately, of course. But of course. And even if you didn't, there's still plenty of drama, kidnappings, stolen boyfriends and seemingly mandatory school dances to entertain you. Find us on the Headstuff Podcast Network and wherever you get your podcasts. And that was the story of the fairy, the field of garters. The fairy, what was I going to say there? On Fireside. And I hope you enjoyed it. Yeah, this... So this originally was titled The Field of Bullions, which was not a word I knew. And there's the description of the bullions in there, in that, like, it's a field of... a kind of, like, a rewilded, you know, raggy field full of... uh, full of grass and gorse and and things like that. And... But for the life of me, whenever I uh, typed in bullions and, like, looked up images of bullions... I just got a lot of links to this story. So it seems that this is... Bullion seems to have been come, become such an outdated and archaic and esoteric phrase and word 
that it's now only associated with this story. So I thought for those purposes, I should clear it up a little bit. And yeah, I found out that bullions was another word for ragweed or ragwort. And, but like saying the field of ragweeds, I originally was going to call it the ragweed rag, which I did kind of still like the name of, but decided I'd change it to field of garters instead, even though it gives away the ending a little bit. I think that's only in hindsight that you notice it because you're not expecting it as much, I don't think. But yeah, and the original story, uh, Tess Fitzpatrick is Tom Fitzpatrick, I believe, and I wanted to get into more of a habit of of gender swapping what characters I could, particularly in the folktales where so many more of them are centered around men and sometimes it's for a reason but a lot of the times it's totally arbitrary so where I can I like to swap it but then I also don't want to just swap them without any consequence so but this story I did feel did inform the story and makes the story better because it's easy to compare this story to the other leprechaun story we did last year I think it was uh, which was the three laughs of the leprechaun and that story has more of a a violence to it and and a span to it whereas this this has much more of a focus and much more of an intimacy and the the garter is in the version where it's where it's a boy where it's Tom Fitzpatrick it's Tom Fitzpatrick who ties his garter to the the piece of ragweed the the piece of bullion and garters certainly to me are something very traditionally worn by women you know the garter around the leg and so it seemed very amusing to me that uh, that it was originally about a man who just had this garter, this red garter, very specifically described as this red garter, to tie around this piece of ragweed. So when you gender swap it and make it Tess Fitzpatrick, suddenly it makes a lot more sense that they would have a garter. I mean, maybe I'm wrong about that. I mean, maybe garters were something also worn traditionally by men. You'll have to let me know, dear listener, about that. But also we've got the other couple of elements we've got the very comical and before this totally unheard of by me a concept of lady day still does seem to be a day you know kind of like saint patrick's day as i spoke about in the the, the bonus episode i did on head stuff plus about the the lore and the history behind saint patrick's day the saint patrick's day festival was not really celebrated in Ireland um, until it became a, a huge deal in America. You know, when Americans and when expats and, and emigrants had established it in places like New York and Chicago and and Charlotte in, uh, in Georgia, a big, very, very big St. Patrick's Day parade. One of the three of those was the first, I believe, the first major one. But before that, the 17th of March was just a, day of the liturgical calendar traditionally marked by Catholic priests at Mass, you know, as if saying like, oh, today's St. Patrick's Day. So Lady Day seems to be another one like that. It's not one I had heard of at all, but then again, it has been a long, long time since I've been a, a practicing Catholic. But when I was, there was a period there where I was quite into it, and I can't say that I've ever heard. I must ask my mother, who's still quite practicing. But it is just an objectively amusing name. You know, Our Lady's Day, not at all, but just Lady Day. Again, it does sound like Parks and Recreation. It sounds like Galentine's. Uh, so when we have the, the Lady Day beginning and this, I like the idea of 
In fact, I love, I love, love, love this image that is a fairy working on a Christian holiday when everyone is expected to rest and being given out to by that. For that, this this young woman going up to the leprechaun and asking, why are you working on Lady Day? Why are you working on a holiday? And this is where I got to have a lot of fun with this story because this exchange between the the leprechaun and Tess Fitzpatrick has been changed a huge amount by me just to engage with that. I'm constantly interested in this idea of priests acknowledging the existence of God and the fairies at the same time. There are so many of these folk tales and fairy tales that are about, you know, these two worlds living together. We had early enough on, maybe it was in about the second year of the podcast, we had a story about the two priests who uh, are tasked with finding out what happens to the fairies on Judgment Day. They find out that if a fairy can drip a drop of blood, they will be able to be judged for their life. And this fairy who stabs himself uh, realizes he doesn't have any blood in him, and that's when he's going to really start messing with humans, you know. That's a, that's still one of my favorites. If if you haven't listened to it, or if you want to go back to it, the fairies on Judgment Day, I will find out. Would you believe it was actually episode 60, episode LX, The Fairies on Judgment Day. But there have been, there's been countless other examples. And a book I love, uh, J.M. Singh's book on the Aran Islands, where he went to learn Irish and to really become steeped and embroidered in Irish culture, in which I got the story of uh, the Lady O'Connor, because he has he's told these various folktales throughout the book, and it's really littered throughout it, which I really like. It explains this, and I've talked about this before, it explains that there is a Catholic belief about the fairies, that they were fallen angels, and that after Lucifer had risen up against God, and God had cast him and all of his followers out, that a lot of these angels that were falling were then prayed for by other angels in heaven and God had spared them and had left them in the air still Um, and that is where they are still and that is why there are angels and God and fairies as well. And I'm really, I'm really, really interested in that and I I wrote a piece, I wrote a long poem called In the Air Still about this, exploring this idea of Let's let's accept, you know, let's accept that they're both real, that you have these worlds of Irish mythology and Christian doctrine trying to live together and at war with each other in Ireland, as they always have been. And I just think that's an endlessly interesting subject. And it ties back in here with the leprechaun chastising this young girl for giving out to him, for being a creature that is both not believed in and is believed to be a demon by priests and believed to be a fallen angel. Um, you know, it's hard to imagine this particular leprechaun having been a follower of the devil in heaven and then falling down and becoming a fairy shoemaker. Although he does have that that bite, that edge to them that leprechauns often have in that he introduces this idea of this Danish Heath beer, which doesn't sound particularly appetizing, but I do enjoy some some Scandinavian beer, I have to say, because it's usually nice and thick and very, very strong. 
But here we have this growler, this gallon jug full of this Danish beer. And she kicks it over out of anger when the leprechaun makes this prediction about her. When she he says, he says, you know, it's not my beer you should be worrying about. It's your family's cows that have now eaten all your corn. We never find out if that was right or not. But if we remember from the three laughs of the leprechaun, the leprechaun made these various predictions. That is an established skill and power that sometimes they have in is that they can predict what is happening. I think they can more predict the present. You see that certainly from the the three laughs. You see the leprechaun laughing at things that are happening that he can't see, but rather than him having foresight that he can see into the future. But you see that bite, that edge in him. And then, yes, you have this incredibly wonderful image of the girl walking with the leprechaun to this field of bullions, this field of ragweed, and tying her garter when she realizes that she doesn't have a spade to dig up the gold, and then coming back and just seeing this endless, endless field of of garters, which just... Like, imagine the biggest, greenest field you can, and then just, like, every foot tied, like, a little red ribbon. And just knowing that there is buried gold, that there is buried Viking gold protected by a leprechaun somewhere in that field, but the field still being big enough that it is an utterly, utterly futile task. I think there's there's something really, really great and really satisfying in that that you don't mind because well as I as I talk about constantly that there's so much of fairy lore that doesn't as much have a plot as if it's more engaging with the fairies and the fairies winning. So it becomes very much a similar thing and they become cautionary tales rather than you know satisfying struct uh, structures and often there's no There's no even cleverness to them. There's sometimes just like, oh, he did that and this happened to him. And it's not even a a particularly ironic thing. But this is clever. This is an example of one where it takes, you know, he promises not to touch the garter and he doesn't. He leaves that garter exactly where it is. But it was still an incredible outsmarting that produces this, this brilliant image that is so satisfying in how unsatisfying it is for our for our hero, for Tess Fitzpatrick. And yeah, I just liked that she took one of these garters at the end and brought it back to her home as this constant reminder of what she once could have had. And with that, I think I will wrap things up. This is, let me know if you have any thoughts on it yourself. And please do follow me over on Instagram at Fireside Bard. It's the best place to get in touch if you want to check out some of my other work. Um, join up at Headstuff Plus over at headstuffpodcast.com uh, if you want to join the Fireside community. Uh, email me at thefiresidebard at gmail.com if you have any other requests or inquiries. Uh, thank you so much to Alan, Patty, and Connor, everyone over at Headstuff. Thank you all for listening. I will see you next time when we have a story about... Um, we have another story about Fintan Macbochra. Uh, now that we've kind of gone through all of our invasions and our landings and the Tuatha Dé and are back in, we're back in Ireland and we're back at the territory that we had 
begun Fireside with or began Fireside with. I there's a couple of other stories about centering around Fintan McBochra that really flesh out this this pre and post to Adedan in Ireland and this figure that has been there the whole time that we hadn't really met until we started talking about Cesar and the Flood and began our our episodes on and stories on the invasions. So he's been a really great character to to be in the presence of and he's definitely going to be our key through the further exploration of and the filling in of the patchwork quilt of Irish mythology. So yes, it's a story uh, about the settling of the manor of Tara, Fintan Macbochra and the manor of Tara. So that's coming up next week. I'll see you all. You'll hear me all next time. And remember, wherever you are and wherever you go, you can always join me by the fireside. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.